0: Coming up on the Inside Indiana Business Television podcast, Major Mojo in Vigo County, an immersive program is churning out startups. Around Indiana returns to coal country. Health on Wheels makes a big difference in rural Indiana. We preview the Summer Apprentice Expo, a growing Mooresville company specializes in making sure you have fun. And we talk about the week's big stories with our partners at the IBJ and our panel of insiders. Welcome to the Inside Indiana Business television podcast. I'm Andy Ober. Big things are happening in Vigo County. Among them, a new $25 million convention center, a big name casino, and a huge facelift for the arena that Larry Bird helped put on the map. Terre Haute Mayor Duke Bennett joined Inside Indiana Business host Gary Dick with more.
1: Give us a sense of where you are. Brand new convention center opens officially this weekend. I know Wabash Avenue is just off to your left. Uh, Where are you at there in the convention
2: center? So out in the pre-function space, if you will, right outside of the ballroom, so faces Wabash Avenue with, of course, big windows out here to bring the natural light in and just kind of a, an area that you connect to the hotel, the Hilton Garden Inn next door, um, along the front here, and then you'll be able to walk right into the ballrooms or continue on down the hall. and go into the meeting rooms
1: mayor tell us because i know this concept anyway really i think began to to, to be talked about maybe uh, eight years ago or so so it's been a long time coming talk about the need for this and the debate in the community over the convention center and
2: why it's needed you know as we kind of looked at what Terre Haute did have and didn't have as you kind of go through those self-evaluations we knew that we were lacking convention space generally speaking The Holiday Inn here had convention space that was really all there was for many years. They remodeled, got rid of it, and we knew we had to do something to um, have a place for people to gather. And so as we worked, it kind of started out working with ISU a little bit when it related to the Holman Center remodeling project. And it ended up being a separate building right across the street from there. But we knew that We needed to come together as a community and find a way to create this space. And so it's been a long process starting back in 2014. And here we are today with the finished product.
1: Yeah, we'll talk about the renovation at Holman Center because that was substantial. And from uh, so many people have told me uh, it was really uh, well done. How does that fit into this uh, whole equation and, and being in close proximity to the convention center?
2: Yeah, you know, it was time for an upgrade, obviously. And that's what ISU had been working on several years to get to that point to pay for that major remodel. It looks great today. I mean, it's really a phenomenal facility. They spent over $50 million on that. And then the convention center, we have new um, parking garage kind of in between us. And then the convention center on Wabash, so one block away, they complement each other very well. So, you know, obviously sporting events and graduations and things that draw very, very large crowds. Up to 10,000 people can utilize the Hallman Center. Yet here at the convention center, we're set up to do, you know, dinners and conventions and local events that all these two will really work well together. And so
1: many communities around the state are trying to find that that next big thing, trying to find their place. Uh, As you look at what's going on in Terre Haute with uh, the convention center, Holman Center, planned casino. Uh, I know that's not broken ground yet, but big plans there. And some of the improvements on Wabash Avenue. Give us your your assessment of where Terre Haute is in that next uh, next phase, if you will.
2: Well, we've absolutely come a long way. Um, you know, it's pretty competitive out there. We all know that. You talk to other mayors in the state. I know you do all the time. We all have to do something as the state of Indiana to make ourselves stand out and, and be a place where people want to come to work or play or whatever it may be. And so as part of our community plan, we've really focused on the tourism aspect. And so this not only helps us to accomplish those goals, Obviously, Holman Center brings more people. The casino brings more people. We're a regional destination, but we've not had some of the amenities that we have. So I think we've taken ourselves to another level with these uh, new features that we can offer the public. And that's going to make us stand out. And, and hopefully then will lead to more economic development activity down the road.
1: Yeah, give, give us your uh, the latest on the casino, because I know it's had some ups and downs, but seems to be pointed in a positive direction. When do you anticipate uh, perhaps
2: ground being broken for that project? The last I've heard from Churchill Downs was the end of May, 1st of June. They're still going through some permitting processes and some red tape kind of things that you would expect. But every time that we hit one of those milestones, it it, it goes just like we'd hoped it would. We're kind of working on some road improvements and planning down there since the casino is in a little different spot than we originally thought it was going to be. And so those things are underway and we'll have that lined up so that when the casino opens late next year, we'll be ready to go.
1: Terre Haute Mayor Duke Bennett, really appreciate you uh, joining us uh, on what is a very big weekend uh, coming up here in Terre Haute with the uh, the grand opening of a new $25 million convention center. Lots of other projects going on as well. Mayor, thanks for joining us.
0: Thank you, Gary. Future entrepreneurs are going on a deep dive to bring their products to market. An immersive three-month program at the Heritage Group in Indianapolis is pumping out new startups. Heritage Group Accelerator Managing Director Nita Ansari came on the show with details.
1: Yeah, and welcome to Indianapolis. I know you just moved here seven months ago, so yeah. we're, we're glad to have you. And as we start, the Heritage Group, I think, is one of the amazing stories in Indiana. Give us a, just a thumbnail of what the Heritage Group is, is really all about.
3: You know, I've been here seven months, and I'm still learning more about it every day. But right. uh, in short, it's a it's a privately owned company. Been around for four generations. We're on our, on our fourth CEO, fourth generation CEO, Mm -hmm. Um, we participate, we have over 30 operating companies, and each of them is in a bunch of verticals that are really interesting, but uh, it's really rich Indiana history, I think.
1: Rich Indiana history and and really impact uh, on the economy around the globe in so many ways. Uh, Okay, the Accelerator uh, at uh, Heritage Group. You're taking applications for your fourth cohort now. Talk about the Accelerator and why it started uh, and what it's all about.
3: Yeah, so the Heritage Group has participated in the startup ecosystem for about four years. This is actually our fifth year for the ventures, fourth year for the Accelerator and we take in companies, a cohort of 10 every fall, and they're all in the hard tech space, also SaaS reporting into hard tech, and it's been, it's been great for the ecosystem. We've spun out f- five companies that have now moved to Indiana as a result. Wow,
1: yep. that's impact. Um, and, and what happens there? It's a 13 week, it's really an immersive kind of experience. Right. So you get these applications, as I mentioned from all over the country, really all over the world to, to come here. What do they experience when they get to the Heritage Group Accelerator?
3: Yeah, so each of their experiences is a little bit customized because they come in at different points. They're all generally early stage, but we'll take them through everything from the basics of fundraising, customer discovery, um, interacting with their ecosystems how to build traction how to pitch to cut investors um, and really the idea is to make them investable at the end of it
1: yeah so we were talking off camera you say you're kind of you kind of bring them in and kind of speed them up and and get them on their way to really advance and get to that next level and and beyond
3: yeah so the goal is momentum right so we bring them in uh it's immersive in in person 13 weeks and they spin out and they go on to do many different things they they can either go after pipelines Mm -hmm. of customers that we've built out for them or go after lists of investors.
1: Yeah, and the impact too, obviously the impact on these companies, but the impact on Indianapolis and on Indiana. You mentioned companies moving here. That's right. Uh, The exposure that these entrepreneurs have to Indianapolis and Indiana for the first time. There's the impact on talent too, potentially, I would think.
3: Absolutely, yeah. So um, many more than the five companies that have moved here have advisors and board members that are in the state So Mm -hmm. they continue to have threads that lead them back here beyond the -hmm. accelerator. And the hope is, yeah, that they end up hiring here or they end up moving here.
1: Very good. Uh, The Heritage Group uh, Accelerator uh, seeking applications for for that fourth cohort. I know, uh, Nita, you say they typically get maybe 80 applications, so it's a really robust program. Nita Ansari, really appreciate you being here and look forward to talking to you soon. All right. Thank you. All right.
0: We've previously taken you to Greene County, where a fishers-based company is turning an old coal mine into a distillery. But there's much more to that story. Reporter Mary Rachel Redman returns to Coal Country to give us the latest.
4: So last week we told you they're going to be bellying up to the bar at an old coal mine, but there's a lot more to this than just sipping a few adult beverages. Fishers based Land Betterment Corp is turning this defunct coal mine into a distillery. I had boots on the ground about a year ago and last week I got a chance to catch up with the brains behind the whole operation and they tell me I wouldn't even recognize the place. All of that dirty coal refuse, completely gone. And the land, well, that's been completely flattened. And all of the heavy-duty equipment you see is all on its way out as we speak. Now it's on to the next phase, the launch of a revolutionary new product called the Land Betterment Exchange.
5: We're actually helping drive capital back into these rural distressed areas by providing a true carbon offset. Um, where most carbon offsets today are big companies like Microsoft and Facebook and and all these big tech companies that are consuming a ton of energy. And to offset their carbon, they have to buy a carbon offset. They have to buy, either pay people not to cut down trees or pay people over. And typically, this is done in Malaysia and all these foreign countries that nobody has, there's no auditability to them. And so what our passion is at Land Betterment is to drive that capital back into rural distressed America. And I mean, you go into these areas of fossil fuel related industries that have been shut down and start bringing that capital of Microsoft and and Facebook and these companies, get them to invest in America, get them to invest back into buying carbon offsets that are provided to the US that have good auditability, that are truly benefiting the environment, because we're not, we're not paying you not to cut down our trees, they're actually paying us to plant trees. And, and also reclaim these environments. And obviously this project is to plant an apple orchard, is our passion and our goal, which will help offset the, env- the, the environment. It's providing a true carbon offset that people can see and touch and feel here in America.
4: And touch and feel in Jasonville. Not only is this former coal mine going to feature farm-to-table spirits, it will eventually be a destination place with everything from an apple orchard to a honey farm. So, All right. Exciting well, stuff. Well,
1: yeah, when does it open up?
4: They're thinking next spring, okay. so not, not too far away.
1: Yeah, a big transformation. What else do you have going on around I- Indiana?
4: Well, let's start in West Lafayette. Ag tech company Solynphotech is using new technology to scan and monitor farm fields with hopes of commercializing the robot technology sometime next year. The robot is solar powered and has the ability to run nonstop. Not a La Porte, where construction is in the final stages of the new $30 million residential complex. Officials in the port say the banks will help the city reach its goal of increasing its population by about 8,000 by 2030. Now, Fort Wayne-based Sorterra Alloys says it will be ready to advance from pilot stage to commercial operations by this summer. The metal recycling company uses artificial intelligence and machine learning data analytics to help sort scrap in search of high-quality metals. Sorterra operates from a 10-acre facility in Fort Wayne and says its recycled products can be used in the automotive aerospace and consumer packaging industries.
0: Rolls-Royce is making another big investment in Indiana. This one comes on the heels of landing a major contract involving the Air Force's B-52 fleet. Rolls-Royce head of assembly and testing Warren White joined us with details. Huge investment uh, several years ago,
1: $600 million, really a total remake of operations In uh, the near, or like on the southwest side here. You're in part of that new space. What do we see behind you? Because there's, uh, there's a lot going on back there.
6: Yeah, I'm actually one of our near west side facilities here that we have modernized what's uh, behind me over my my right shoulder. Here's a lift fan system. It goes in the F-35B Lightning and uh, it it produces about 20,000 pounds of thrust and vertically takes that aircraft off. Of a, of a carrier deck or off of the ground and gets it moving to uh, defend us.
1: Yeah. The amazing uh, innovation and technology going on right here in Indianapolis. Well, let's uh, Warren talk about that because that project, $600 million uh, really remake of the Royce facilities really set the stage uh, for these additional investments that now are happening uh, here in, uh, in Indiana.
6: Yeah, it sure did uh, Gary. So again, you know, when you modernize with manufacturing assembly, which we've done and been grateful to do here with the, the great uh, workforce we have here, both engineering and our UNW teams here in Indianapolis, we attract new things like last fall's B-52 announcement, which we're delighted uh, to be able to make that iconic aircraft engine here in Indianapolis. And and with things like that and the Army program we're working on now and, and other opportunities in front of us, uh, that 400 million for testing is a necessary and a really innovative piece that rolls Race is doubling down on here yeah. in Indiana to do research, development, and uh, testing for our production engines as well.
1: Yeah, there's a big B52 right there. We're showing on the screen. Hey, talk about this latest announcement. Four hundred million dollars will be essentially split—two mm-hmm. hundred million dollars or so here in Indianapolis, two hundred million up in West Lafayette. What's going to happen here? Uh, be happening here with the project in Indianapolis?
6: Yeah, in Indianapolis specifically, the two hundred million we're investing is in our modern gas turbine technology it's for production and development of full engines here uh, in the city uh, that that adds upon what we do in our manufacturing assembly areas here uh, And again we're really looking forward to that investment here it, it modernizes it takes our efficiencies and improves them and it sets us up for a net zero journey which we're on as a company to lower our emissions, but also lower our energy consumption here as we make modern gas turbine engines. Okay, let's talk about
1: the investment. Similar investment in West Lafayette, the Purdue uh, Aerospace uh, development up there is really uh, taking shape. Rolls Royce has had a long relationship with Purdue. This is big for for West Lafayette and that region as well.
6: Yeah, we're 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 happy to work with the Tippecanoe County. Uh, Folks up there in the west lafayette uh the mayor and, and their office, but uh you know doubling down really with research and development in, in in high volumes with purdue we've had decades long relationship as you alluded to there, and we're happy to continue that trend as we hire a lot of uh Purdue engineers here and, and really get a lot of innovation out of that campus. And so it's a fantastic area on the aerospace district there.
1: Well, you mentioned talent and Purdue, uh, but talent in general. What do investments, massive investments like this mean, uh, in your view, for Rolls-Royce, but also more broadly for Indiana when it comes to <clears throat> what's next uh, in terms of innovation and technology and a keeping but also attracting talent to the state?
6: Yeah, you know the governor's been very clear about his mission to you know triple aerospace uh, mm-hmm. in Indiana, and uh, we're we're proud to be a big part of that mission of his. We are attracting talent, innovation, and technology here in ways like hybrid electrics, in ways like hypersonics that you mentioned earlier, and things we're doing with Purdue, and frankly the the modernization of sustainable aviation and the fuels and the and the things that we're working on here in our new platforms and the ones we have today going into in production. So you know, that kind of investment spurs that, it spurs the talent. And, uh, you know, it's a great place to do business here in Indiana.
1: Warren White uh, from Rolls-Royce, uh, amazing projects, massive investment with big impact uh, here in Indiana. Warren, as always, thanks for joining us. Look forward to seeing you soon.
6: Thanks, Gary. Talk to you guys soon. All right.
0: Healthcare on wheels may be just what the doctor ordered, delivering much needed services to Indiana's rural and urban communities. HealthNet Chief Business Development Officer Carrie Bonsack joined Kylie Valletta in the business of health with more on how the mobile health unit works.
7: And I know you're live in the unit making its TV debut, so thanks for being creative with us today. Uh, before we talk about the unit, let's start with Health HealthNet. Just give us a snapshot uh, for people who maybe haven't heard of it.
8: Yeah, so HealthNet is a federally qualified health center. We're a network of nine community health centers providing compassionate healthcare services to the medically underserved in uh, in Indianapolis and Bloomington for the past 54 years. We provide medical care for adults and children, OBGYN care, dental care, behavioral health care, and chiropractic care. We also have a homeless program, a school-based program, and a healthy families program. And many of our services are located under one roof, utilizing the patients that are medical home model. We also are accredited by the Joint Commission and have been since night. Like-
7: and I know we talked in the intro that since you're founding, you've really focused on Indianapolis inside the 465 loop. Even now you're extending to rural areas. Why did you feel that need to really reach the rural parts of Indiana?
8: Yeah. So we really wanted to, to expand to rural areas because in 2019 our ceo rick diaz set forth a vision called the three pillars of success for HealthNet, and one of those pillars is focused on how to better serve patients and community and so we formed the mobile health initiative at that time and once the mobile health initiative was formed, we wanted to determine where we would really um, improve the most lives with our mobile health care units. So what we did is we reviewed a bunch of needs assessment data in the surrounding counties. And so we already had a health center in Bloomington. We knew that patients had a lack of access to uh, primary care services, and at times it would take six months to get into a patient appointment. And so also looking at the county um, the national benchmarks for preventative health care screenings and rates of depression and also for um, for overdoses they really exceeded state and national levels additionally Morgan County we found had a lack of access to primary care and mental health care and that they were also fell short on receiving immunizations and, and preventative care. The health outcomes were worse uh, again for state averages, particularly for diabetes, cancer incidence and heart disease. And our goal is really to increase access to care and improve health outcomes. We also want to reduce emergency room visits and address social determinants to really further improve health outcomes by bringing our health care services with the mobile units to those in need in these rural areas.
7: Okay, we just saw some great video of the mobile unit. Tell us just a little bit about it. Just give us a brief introduction to what it can do.
8: yeah, so the mobile unit, glad you just saw some pictures of it, but we have two exam rooms in it, a laboratory and an intake area. And so what we're gonna do is bring the mobile unit um, on the road Mondays through Thursday, two days a week in Morgan County and two days a week in Monroe County. And then Fridays through Sunday, we'll have the mobile unit traveling around Marion County offering free health screens. On the mobile unit, as you can see behind me, it looks just like a, a, a doctor's office. So everything you can have in a doctor's office, we have on the mobile unit. So we'll be providing uh, medical care for adults and children on the unit, treatment for acute and chronic conditions, laboratory care, health screenings, health education, enrollment uh, services to insurance, and then also behavioral health telemedicine. Services. All right, that's
7: such a big boost coming to Monroe and Morgan County. Sorry, we're out of time, Carrie, but thanks for being on the show today.
8: Thank you.
0: Remember, you can catch Inside Indiana Business television on stations throughout the state every weekend. Head to InsideIndianaBusiness.com to check listings. Help Wanted, plumbers, roofers, carpenters, and just about all other trade jobs in Indiana. A program in Tippecanoe County is designed to build up the state's skilled labor workforce. Tippecanoe Building Trades Council President Stephen Snyder came on the show with more on that and the Summer Apprentice Expo. You're at a busy place,
1: again, Local 215 of the Carpenters uh, Training Center there. What's going on in back of you there?
9: Well, it's uh, another day at the uh, Local 215. They're having their apprenticeship class right now. We have got the uh, third-year apprentices apprentices in the back. Uh, They're working on uh, a layout, building layout with BIM systems and total stations, which is all computer-controlled technology.
1: All right, uh, really tee this up for us if you would. We hear about every sure. day the workforce challenges across all industries. But as you look at the uh, the trades, the building trades, how significant, how serious is the, the worker shortage?
9: You, you know, we've been doing this for a long time, actively recruiting, and we've seen this cliff uh, coming with respect to an available workforce for the 21st century. Uh, Inter-COVID, which obviously happened uh, a couple years ago, And it's really accelerated the problem that we have in front of us, which is a skilled trained workforce to build the factories, to pour the concrete, to build the walls, the hospitals, et cetera, et cetera. Um, We're at a critical point right now in our history across the country with being able to have that workforce. So we really got to double our efforts and getting that accomplished
1: and part of that I know is this building trades Expo this will be uh, the third year for it in Tippecanoe County a year off for the uh, for covid but uh, what are you trying to get across here is it an educational piece to, to inform the public both uh, you know young people or, or workers in general parents everyone
9: yeah anybody that's uh, wanting to listen for different career opportunities uh, we've really worked hard in our school systems throughout our nine county region. Uh, developing relationships with CTE directors, superintendents, principals, and teachers to really give them the education uh, with what's out there with the skilled trade apprenticeship programs. It's really an awesome uh, system that's available for anybody uh, to go through a bona fide apprenticeship program that's 100% paid for. You can learn a craft, a trade, uh, be an expert in that field and really make some good money. And really, as far as the compensations uh, is concerned, that's only going to skyrocket as we move forward because every project as everybody knows, starts with a shovel and some dirt being moved.
1: Yeah, yeah give us an idea, Stephen, if you will, because you mentioned uh, salaries. And, 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 you know, these are are, are good are jobs that pay good wages. So these are careers that, that, that folks, if they're trained, uh, can really launch into what can be a s- substantial career.
9: Yeah, absolutely. You can go through a five-year bona fide apprenticeship program. I'm a fitter by trade myself. I went through a program several years ago. Graduated after going for five years, worked and learned why I earned money, and we make up the Northwood of $100,000 a year and then some. And you graduate with zero college debt, a massive amount of industry-recognized skills that's in high demand. So it really is one of the best things, best-kept secret. We've always said that, that we have going. So we just need to get in front of teachers, educators, students to let them know that there's an option uh, to really, really have a successful career.
1: Tippecanoe Building Trades Council uh, really doubling down uh, with the the Apprenticeship Expo coming up in June. June uh, through uh, July, Stephen Snyder, the president of the uh, Building Trades Council there. Thanks
0: for joining us, Stephen. Really appreciate it. Good luck with the Expo and uh, going forward. Laser tag, escape rooms, virtual reality experiences. They're all part of Mooresville-based Creative Works portfolio. The company is expanding and moving. President Armando Lanuti joined us with more.
1: This is a fascinating story to me. have been in the biz around 25 years. But um, this all started because you're into all kinds of things now, technology-wise. Yeah. Um, how did it start? Laser tag, as I understand it.
10: Yeah, we got, we got our start in laser tag back in 1997. And, you know, as we went on from there, we started to add things like mini golf, escape rooms, virtual reality, eSports, uh, all sorts of fun things, like anything that just you know creates a fun environment. That's our job, right, is to, to make things fun and create memories for people.
1: Well, talk about what you do there in Mooresville. I mentioned you're going to be moving to the southwest side of Indianapolis. But this is yeah. some pretty high-tech stuff that you're doing. You've got designers and engineers and creating things for properties all over the world.
10: Yeah, I mean, we have a group that just got back from both Ireland uh, and the Netherlands, um, installing attractions over there. Uh, as you said, we, we work worldwide, uh, a lot of our work is obviously here in the States, um, but we do, we have the, the designers, the engineers, we have fabricators, so carpenters, painters, sculptors, uh, just a, a wide array of talented, just amazing, amazing artists.
1: Give me a, an idea of some of your, your clients, your customers, uh, the, you, I mentioned, I think cruise ships, you, you, uh, you cater yeah. to a lot of different venues.
10: Yeah, we work with a lot of entertainment centers, so bowling alleys, skating centers, trampoline parks, you know, here in town, Royal Pin is a client of ours, 3-2 Fun on the north side, Urban Air, uh, Adventure Parks, uh, all the way up to cruise ships. Um, we we played a small part in the Peyton Manning statue, you know, outside of Lucas Oil Stadium. Um, so we, we, we've, we've done a lot of stuff and it, just very fortunate to be in the business that we're in for sure. Well,
1: you, well, you're moving, you're on the move, going to move to the Southwest side of Indianapolis, $7 million plus investment, uh, adding more than a hundred jobs. Uh, so uh, what's driving business, uh, in your view?
10: Well, you know, uh, our industry was always, you know, fun. We were growing, you know, prior to the pandemic, um, pandemic obviously shut things down for our industry, right? You couldn't go out and socialize, but, What we found and what all of our clients have found is as they've come back, people wanted to get out and celebrate again. They wanted to escape. Human nature didn't change. And people, I think, just put a higher value on that leisure time because it was taken away from them. And business has just come back strong. You know, I I think we'll more than double over the next two to three years. Um, So very, very excited about that.
1: Creative Works uh, in Mooresville, moving to Indianapolis with a big investment and jobs. Armando Lanuti, the president of the company, really appreciate you joining us and look forward to talking to you soon.
10: Uh, thank you so much, Gary. I appreciate it. All right.
0: A big reconstruction project is coming to a major Hamilton County intersection, and a hot political race is brewing in Indianapolis. Editor Leslie Weidenbener with our partners at the IBJ joined us with details on this week's stories.
1: Hey, a big project, you know, um, Hamilton County, no uh, no stranger to major road projects. And there's another big one coming up there around 146th and Allisonville Road.
11: You know, 146th Street is one of the only roads that goes all the way east and west through Hamilton County. So it's a big deal when there's construction on that. And this construction is probably going to start in the next year or so. Big changes there. You're going to have 146th Street as an overpass over Allisonville, and then there'll be a roundabout on Allisonville with exits on and off.
1: Wow. Big project indeed. As they say, it'll be it'll be good once it's finished, I guess. Um, <laughs> exactly. Also, uh, workforce, as, as you know, is such a huge issue uh, here in Indiana. And I know you've got a sit-down interview with Department of Workforce Development uh, Commissioner Fred Payne this week
11: you know it was only a couple years ago that we were so worried about the unemployment rate because of the pandemic now the unemployment rate is at 2.3 percent and so our reporter Emily Ketterer talks to Commissioner Payne about what the state needs to do to try to get some folks back into the workforce so that Indiana can try to fill jobs otherwise it's just going to have trouble growing
1: a lot of change uh, in the winds in the political uh, uh, arena here in Indiana, including right here in Indianapolis. I know you've got a story this week—a new uh, state senate seat, uh, a new district here in Indianapolis—is uh, getting pretty crowded when it comes to the Democrat uh, Democrat side uh, in this uh, this upcoming primary.
11: Yeah, this is a brand new district. It as part of redistricting and population shifts. This district actually goes across southern the southern part of downtown, almost down to 465. It's a huge swath of, uh, of area, and there are full, uh, five Democrats running yeah. in the primary. This is a Democratic-leaning district, so the primary is really the important race here.
1: As always, lots of good stuff coming up in this weekend's uh, IBJ. Leslie Wyden-Benner coming to us from the IBJ newsroom. As always, I appreciate it. Hope you have a great weekend.
11: Thanks so much, Gary.
0: And finally this week, our insiders weigh in on Indiana's top business stories. This week's panel includes IndiePolitics.org publisher Abdul-Hakim Shabazz, Hallowell Consulting President Jennifer Hallowell, and 16 Tech Community Corporation Chief Financial Officer Robert Herzog.
1: Let's start out with with big developments. Uh, And this is a big development, I think, for a number of reasons. For downtown Indianapolis uh, and beyond, but Alanco uh, breaking ground on that massive uh, plan they have for a global headquarters, former GM uh, stamping plant site, uh, a campus really takes downtown across the White River for the first time. Really, Jennifer, how in your view how significant is, is significant for the company? But how about for Indianapolis and the area?
12: I, I don't think you can overstate how important it is. You know, it's been such a challenging area to to redevelop, mm-hmm. and then to have Alanco coming in. You know, such a premier company, really, with a th- more than 1,000 jobs. I think the average salary is around $150,000 a year. So incredible investment and, you know, kind of growing. We obviously have a big life sciences community growing, biosciences, animal health. Um, really, I think, fits in well and is going to attract a lot of talent also to the city and state, which is really important and is, I think, going to transform that area.
1: Yeah. How about you talk about talent? So Elanco certainly hopes it will attract talent to Elanco. But I think Jeff Simmons has talked about it, it attracting generally attracting talent to Indianapolis to go other places, too.
12: That's right. And that's what we've seen with the tech community as well. You know, if you you have to have a hub in places that people want to go and then potentially they end up at another company that's nearby. But knowing that you have these big anchors that are so important does attract people from across the country. And we need that.
13: Mm-hmm. Yeah. And if you think about it, uh, how Indianapolis and Central Indiana has changed, you know, say 30, 40 years ago was all sort of manufacturing, mm-hmm. uh, sort of like you know, pulling a lever, and now it's like you know, high tech, high industry, mm-hmm. the whole on yards. And also, I agree with Jen Hull Harley that whole sort of near west side of Indianapolis, you know, going down the White River, you know, where the Indian Park is, literally right across the street from the studio, Yeah, here there's a lot of construction yeah. going on as well. So, Indianapolis is, is moving in the right direction, we just got to keep it going that way. And,
1: well, how about you talk about Indianapolis moving downtown, there's going to be a bridge, I think a pedestrian bridge as well as uh, vehicles. Uh, that really connects downtown across the White River for the first time. So as you look out five, ten years and beyond, it'll really transform things over there.
13: If I like to walk from one end of downtown to the other end of downtown, it's <laughs> just a little bridge or something, I'm yes. get my hair messed up. Right. <laughs> <With
1: the range. laughs> Good. Uh, another big project, uh, certainly for west central Indiana, Terre Haute uh, is breaking ground, not breaking ground, they're actually opening this weekend a new $25 million convention center. It's been in the works really since 2014 in terms of conversations back and forth, somewhat controversial on whether Terre Haute uh, wanted a convention center. Uh, It's ready to open now. Robert, as you look at this, I know Mayor Duke Bennett was on the show at the beginning of this this broadcast, and he really feels strongly this can attract people, can attract uh, additional investment and dollars to the community.
14: Yeah, I mean it's a good bet for Terre Haute. The, the downtown needs this kind of attraction, and based on the size and the scope of what the investment is, it makes a lot of sense. The, the, the timing of it with the casino that's been approved, that's going to be breaking ground shortly. You know, it seems like it's a can't miss for Terre Haute. And those anything that can attract more people to that central business district, with everything else that's going on in Terre Haute, I think is positive. For yeah,
1: yeah it's all, so many communities are trying to find their niche or find their way with with things like this. Terre Haute certainly is making a bet that. This is uh, what's going to happen, but they've got convention-wise, they got to sell it, right? Yes. And they gotta, They got to say, "Hey, come to Terre Haute and get people and get the events there."
14: Back to the people conversation, right? It's finding those, you know, those talent within that convention space to be able mm-hmm. to bring them in to know which size conventions can tap into and bring to Terre Haute because they're not going to be competing on the same level for conventions with downtown Indianapolis, right? But there's still a lot of conventions in that world that can actually fit into a space that would work well with what Terre Haute's bringing online.
13: And I think that's that's going to be a major. Change. Challenge for Terre Haute too, uh, because like I said, they got the casino that they're building, they got the convention center. But the question is, what type of acts are you going to get to the convention center? What type of conventions are you going to get yeah. to the convention center? And who wants to you know, go all the way to you know, sort of west Western Indiana when you have Indianapolis here? So I think that, I think they, they they got potential, but they also got lots of challenges at the same time.
12: I, th- I think we we just have to give a lot of credit to the business and community and education leaders in Terre Haute and that region. I mean, it's a community that has had some challenges and has seen some population decline, not unlike a lot of other places, kind of similarly situated. And over the last few years, we have really seen them rally to kind of take hold to build their future. And you've seen investments, not just those. And and you've got, obviously, a great um, higher education institution, Indiana State, that also Mm -hmm. has seen investments and upgrades. And I just think that it's the people that are driving this, and they're going to help make this successful.
1: Yep, yep. Good to see action there, uh, no doubt about it. Other big investment uh, here in the past couple of weeks from traditional companies. Allison Transmission opening a uh, really a high-tech training and uh, innovation center. Rolls-Royce announcing a $400 million investment, which will be split between Indianapolis and West Lafayette. Uh, So, Robert, as you look at the traditional manufacturing, and, of course, this is high-tech advanced manufacturing, but the importance of these longtime companies that have been here that are now really investing in a big way back into Indy.
14: That's what I like about it is keeping them here and also investing in those jobs that are the, the new jobs of the next you know, century to come. Right. And I think especially for Allison, it's a it's a really important investment for everybody that in central Indiana to make sure that they're keeping yeah. a, a good hub you know, between yeah. those two cities. Works well for both, everybody.
1: Yeah. And as you look, uh, Abdul, at what Mitch Daniels at Purdue is doing with the aerospace district and all this additional development that beyond education, although it's connected to education with students, but they're getting, uh, with Rolls-Royce, I think $200 million of that is going up to going up to West Lafayette and Purdue. Saab is opening up a big uh, production facility up there, so there's a lot of action up there, too.
13: Exactly. If you look at it, uh, like I said, I think the challenge is, and this is really good news uh, for the state of Indiana, but I think the challenge is making sure we have the workforce that's there to take these high-tech, high-wage that's jobs, because right. that's going to be our, our challenge now is getting to make sure our workforce is good to go, because you don't necessarily need you need, you need some sort of post-secondary something mm-hmm. these days, which is the Higher Education Commission and, and colleges, universities across Indiana have been pushing for but you really need to have that workforce that's there to take these jobs. Like I said, you know, Animal and uh, Alanco, you know, yeah, Rolls-Royce, you name it.
1: Yeah, hey, it, Robert, you've got an education background, so I mm-hmm. just thought of this. But what's the state, of, in your view, of education when it comes to economic development? Because you know, a lot was made when Intel chose Ohio for that massive, uh, multi-billion-dollar investment, and in saying that the education piece here was one of the Negatives? Is
14: it's, that- it's, I mean, it's still the case, right? And you've heard, uh, we all know, Teresa Lovers at the mm-hmm. you know, Commission on Higher Ed, which just retired, and we've got a great new commissioner mm-hmm. coming in, are constantly trying to figure out how we can get more students through that bachelor degree attainment level, mm-hmm. right? And Indiana's still low on that. So I, there's enough people who care significantly about this that we're still trying to push that up and the, mm-hmm. basically driving the median income. But we're still not where we need to be, but there's enough of the right people focusing on it, back to your point, that are going to basically, by what... Be what drives this going forward? Because it is important. Yeah. It does long term for companies who are trying to you know basically look at, hey, where can we relocate? Mm-hmm. Those educational attainment levels really do mean something.
1: Yeah, interesting story. I think out of the legislature uh, a bill uh, providing incentives essentially for, for media production, uh, film, movies, uh, digital production. It's been talked about for many, many years. Uh, never made it through. It did this year. Jennifer, in your view, is this something that's going to benefit the state of Indiana?
12: I think absolutely you know and this is this is an idea that has faced headwinds for a long time Um, and so the fact they got it across the finish line this year I think is significant I actually had spoken um, a couple of months ago with a couple of individuals who are from Indiana who went to our universities who who do this kind of work and they're in the uh, kind of 3d Mm -hmm. you know kind of tech um, media production and they said you know "We, we had to move there's just We've got the skills in there, and they said, you'd be surprised at how many people in Indiana are trained to do this stuff, but Mm -hmm. they can't get the jobs because the attractions are in other places because a lot of other states have these tax credits and incentives, and we don't. So, so now we do, and I think that opens a lot of new doors for us. Yep. It's
14: massive business now. I mean, content is king. On you know, with Netflix on down all the way through the the entertainment space, and you know, Indiana's been a little bit behind in this, but this mm-hmm. tax credit is really important to be able to compete with states like Georgia, where this is just a massive business on the northwest yep. side. Well, of now I can break
13: out my eight x ten glossies for all the content <laughs> that we produce now with all these tax credits. So yeah, I
1: think right. I, I think that's why they got that. Through,
13: Abdul. Yes. Very there good. Go.
1: Abdul-Hakim Jab- uh, Shabazz, thanks very much. Jennifer Hollowell and Robert
0: Herzog, thank you all. That wraps up this week's Inside Indiana Business television podcast. Remember, you can find all of this week's TV segments, as well as the top business news from throughout the state, at InsideIndianaBusiness.com. While you're there, you can also subscribe to our platform of free e-newsletters. This is Andy Ober for Inside Indiana Business.